Welcome to the 134th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking all about the Terps basketball season opener last night against Holy Cross. And we're going to hit on the Maryland-Michigan game. Wayne Viner will be joining us to discuss both of those. He was live at both events. And there was just a lot of rumblings last night about people not being upset that they had to buy BTN Plus or just did not see the game. But we'll get into all that later on in the podcast. Before we get to the Terrapin Rundown, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Want to start things off on the non-river part, which is greatly extended this week with two winter sports starting up. Men's soccer um, suffered their second consecutive loss to close out the season, falling to Michigan a 4-2 at home. The Terps end the season with a record of 9-6-2 and and the number 23 coaches poll ranking. They enter the Big Ten tournament as a five seed and will travel to Evanston to face number four seed Northwestern. The game will be at Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on BCM+. Okay, so this location thing is interesting, though. So the final four, so the semifinals and the finals for this tournament, will be played at Ludwig Field regardless if Maryland is in there. But the quarterfinals are played at the higher seeds field, so they Terps have to travel to Evanston to possibly play the next two games back at Ludwig. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that, <laughs> that it falls sometimes. Terps really with two, the loss to Michigan and the loss to Penn State at the end of the season where they had game, leads in both games and they really fell off uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It was not a good look for the Terps to finish out the regular season. Could have easily been 11-4 and instead 9-6 and going into the Big Ten tournament, having to play the... Uh, a road game instead of a home game. If they won against Michigan, they would have been the four seed, been able to play at home, but since they lost, they'll travel out to play Northwestern. Former Maryland defender Chase Gasper was called up to the U.S. Nations League camp. A big step onto representing the National League, um, or the national team, I should say, in the upcoming qualifying matches. Yeah, um, another trip in the U.S. men's circuit. Uh, men's team needs some help, and... Like, having Terps on the national team is the best exposure you could hope for as a program. Yes, it is. Field hockey is the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. They will play the four-seeded Michigan Wolverines or five-seeded Penn State in the Alliance Friday at four on BTN. Women's soccer, uh, sophomore Alyssa Porich was named second team All-Big Ten as a forward. The Lady Terps season is unfortunately over. They fell to Michigan in their first ever Big Ten tournament match, three to nil. They end their run with a 9-8-1 record, their first winning season since 2012, and that's just a big, big positive step forward for Ray Leone and the women's soccer team. Yeah, um, Trump Nation should be proud of this team. They have reversed years of losing with this season, and hopefully they can build on it. Alyssa Porch, as we know, is their best player. She's only a sophomore. Hopefully they'll be able to build this into maybe making the tournament again in the near future. And now on to volleyball, who has seen more of the same this season. They got swept again by Ohio State. They have now not won a set in three sets, three straight matches, and that's also equivalent to two weeks in time. Things are not looking good as the Terps host number six Minnesota and number four Wisconsin 
at the Xfinity Pavilion this weekend. Should be great matches there. Should be a really electric environment, despite whatever effort the Terps put out. They need to compete, and, or maybe get a win here, trying to turn things around. Yeah, um, unfortunately this team is looking at the possibility of not scoring in, what, five straight matches with these two opponents. They need to reverse course here. This season has not gotten by Ball's way. No, it has not. Uh, we start off with some winter sports here. Let's kick it off with wrestling. Alex Clemson taking over as the Terps head coach. They started off the season fairly strong. The Terps defeated Southern Virginia in their first match of the season before losing to the number 24 Virginia Cavaliers later in the day. The Terps also had five wrestlers down at the Southeast Open uh, at Virginia Tech. Wrestling will not play at home till December 20th, but we'll have several matches in close um, proximity to College Park, the first of which will be at American University. That will take place Saturday at 2 o'clock. And then finally, women's basketball kicks off their season as well. I think they played their first game last night. Or, sorry, two nights ago now. Well, it's two uh, days ago. They had their field trip day. It was at 11. A couple of days ago, they beat Wagner. I believe they dropped like 119, 20 points on them. 119 or 120. Yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first off, though, senior Kayla Charles was named to the preseason All-American team last week. She is the first Terp to earn the preseason All-American award since Alyssa Thomas in 2013, and we all know how great a player she was. She was also named the Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year. Yeah, Brandon Free secured a five-star commit from St. Francis Wing Angel Reese, the highest-rated commit in school history, currently rated as the number two player in the country for ESPN in the 2020 class. Yeah, great news for Brenda Freeze and the program. Uh, good to see some St. Francis players coming out of College Park. You don't see that as much as maybe you'd like to. Um, great player, though, and hopefully she's an ex-great lady Terp. On to the actual game, though. The number four ranked, and yet I said number four ranked, women's basketball team destroyed Wagner 119-56 to last night. That is more than double of Wagner's score. Uh, the Terps had seven players in double figures, led by Shakira Austin with a double-double, 18 points, 11 boards, and Ashley Owasu, 18 points, 8 assists. Um, even though I didn't mention it in our rundown here, Kayla Charles also got 18 points and was re relentlessly efficient. She only missed four baskets all game. It was two for three from deep. This team has championship potential, Mason, but we're going to find out real soon, aren't we? Yeah, the Terps will face off against the number 8 South Carolina Gamecocks Sunday at 3. That game will be broadcast on the ESPN uh, the Redskins are on by the Ravens on the road against the Bengals. Tons of tickets that are very affordable. The, right now they're running a promotion. I don't know if it's over. I saw it uh, on Twitter a few hours ago. I think it's a 10-hour thing. Um, since the game's on November 10th, they're doing a whole promotion based on 10, $10 for two tickets to this game. Get out there, support our student-athletes, number four against number eight. Uh, it's also the whiteout game, which is always a big uh, non-conference matchup in College Park. Yeah, this is a big game, and I really do have high hopes for this women's basketball program this year, Mason. I, I'm really hoping for a championship berth, and maybe even a championship win. I'm going to be honest. I don't think this team could do it. Hopefully. Uh, we'll see in the upcoming months what, what really we have in store, but definitely some great opponents that the Lady Terps will be facing to get a great gauge on um, how far they can run. Just Coach Freeze does such a great job of scheduling, getting good opponents uh, on the schedule and really being able to test out her teams early on in the season. Women's lacrosse news here. The GOAT, Kathy Reese, was inducted into the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame last weekend, which is right outside Johns Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can make an argument that Kathy Reese isn't the greatest coach in Maryland sports history, Mason. Uh, she's definitely up there, if not number one. She she is number one. She And her program has just done great things. She 
I'm surprised she wasn't already in the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame, actually. But now she's in there, and keep it running, keep the championships coming to College Park. And, um, Turf fans, if you haven't seen it yet, really check out, go to the Women's Lacrosse Twitter page and watch Kathy Reese's speech. Even if you're not a Women's Lacrosse fan, the praise she heaps upon Maryland, the program, and the school is, uh, it's, it's really great for a Maryland fan here. I think everybody should watch it. Okay, now on to some football news. Javon Leak was named uh, co-Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week for his performance against Michigan. Uh, second time winning the award on the season and fourth time winning a Big Ten Player of the Week award overall for Javon Leak. He also tied Torrey Smith for most kick returns for a touchdown with three. Wow, I didn't know that last part. Um, former trip second baseman Brandon Lau is a finalist for AL Rookie of the Year. Um, Brent, I mean... Maryland, this is going to sound kind of dumb because he only played one season, but he's already on track to be the greatest Maryland baseball player in the MLB. He's only only had, I think, one all-star before him. Yeah, and that being uh, Brett Cecil, I believe that's his name. I uh, might have won Maryland trivia there. Um, yeah, this is great. Uh, getting up there, you know, early on in the season, he had a few uh, rookie of the months, and that kind of compounded onto a great season for the former Terp, and there's starting to become a lot of Maryland players that are trickling into the MLB uh, from a few of those regional or super regional teams. And before, actually, next we're going to jump into the pro Terps, Mason, get back to the Xfinity Center experience with basketball a little bit later. So our Terps in the NFL the last three weeks, because we have not done this in three weeks now, so we're going to kind of do a lightning round catch-up. First off, though, Trey Edmonds, who has bounced around NFL rosters for a couple years now, finally cracked a regular rotation. He earned 12 carries for 73 yards with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll be honest, I was watching Red Zone, Mason, and Andrew Siciliano said Trey Edmonds, and I actually had to rewind it to make sure I heard him right. I am not surprised. When this man was at Maryland, given that he played like four games before a season, or five games before a season-ending injury, he proved himself as a near-NFL back. You know, you got to remember, this is the guy that kick-started the whole presidential backfield with Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison. Uh, at the beginning of that season, Trey Edmonds was a huge member, if not the number one guy in the running back rotation at that time. Um, he's played special teams in Pittsburgh. His brother plays for the Steelers. He ends up there, gets some carries, and, you know, proves that he can do it. Uh, I'm looking for a lot from him the rest of the way. Pittsburgh's kind of uh, in a bit of a running back void, but they they kind of put together their season Ben Roethlisberger list recently. Uh, I believe they won their third straight game to come back to 4-4 four and four this past weekend. I believe you are correct on that. Um, pushing along. And you know what's actually on. one more thing on Trey Edmonds. You know what's surprising mm-hmm. about him is he was on the uh, roster of the New Orleans Saints for a long time. I would think that Sean Payton, the way that he evaluates talents, would have been able to see that Trey Edmonds could do this, but it did take him to bounce around the league, find his place with Pittsburgh, and hopefully he'll stay there and keep performing. Uh, DJ Moore has had an up and down last couple of weeks. This week, seven catches, ten targets, one hundred one yards. A pretty good week for DJ Moore. I think he had thirty something yards last week. Yeah, DJ Moore, and now with a connection with Kyle Allen, Cam Newton done for the season. DJ Moore kind of turning into that security blanket wide receiver that we know he can be, as we saw when the Turf played four quarterbacks in a season, and DJ Moore was constantly giving us hundred yard games uh, after back to back one hundred forty three yard performances for Stephon Diggs. He was limited in a big way by the Kansas City Chiefs. One catch for four yards. Uh, without his co-partner, Adam Thielen, as Jordan knows, because I decided to test him out on my fantasy roster and then lost to Jordan this past weekend, uh, Diggs really limited by the Chiefs. 
Yeah, uh, Stefan kind of struggled. He is much better with Adam Thielen on the field to take away coverage from him. No surprise there, but a bit of a disappointment. Uh, J.C. Jackson has seen decreasing playing time each of the last three weeks, down all the way to 41% this week after peaking at 80-something, I think 82% earlier this season. Two and a half combined tackles over the last three games. Uh, J.C., really, I don't know who how many people saw this, but he got torched by the Ravens. Yeah, as did a lot of the New England Patriots defense. Kind of disappointing uh, second year here from J.T. Jackson after such a great rookie season, but I'm sure, certain, that the Patriots will have him back on the field and back performing the way he was last year. Uh, Darnell Savage, 100% of defensive snaps since returning from injury two weeks ago, 13 combined tackles. He's gotten a lot of Twitter recognition from both Good Counsel and Maryland Football, and he's He's kind of the poster boy for, for Terps in the NFL at the moment, just doing big things in his rookie year. Yeah, he really has been a star. Um, he probably would be in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, or Defensive Rookie of the Year, if um, Nick Bosa wasn't tearing it up for 49ers, but he is. He should at least make the all-rookie team this year. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think I saw him at like number 13 on the NFL.com uh, rookie performance scale. Yannick Ngakwe has played... Over 74% of snaps each of the last three weeks. Recorded two sacks two weeks ago against the Jets. Four tackles uh, this past week in a loss to the Houston Texans. And Mishumania is officially over down here in Jacksonville as Nick Foles takes back over at quarterback for the Jaguars this week. Uh, I, 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 was a fit, I was on the Mishu should start train, but I read some interesting articles in The Athletic about how they can't really start him because it would destroy his trade value if they did believe in Minshew. Even if they want him to be the long-term starter there, they need to build up Foles' trade value again. So I understand why they're doing what they're doing now. Yeah, I mean, so do I. But kind of, it was it was great to see the city get so hyped over over Gardner Minshew. And, you know, like, everybody was Gardner Minshew down here for Halloween. That can grow facial hair. <laughs> that sounds like it was very hate to see, at least. It was, because um, a lot of people kept the mustaches. And then it was really funny to walk around with people that did not know uh, football and they they were going with the why the heck does everybody look like um, a creep to be honest because Gardner Mishu does really look like a creep but yeah it was, it was it's a fun time if you if you hang around people that don't don't like football and have not seen Gardner Mishu. Um, moving on, Quentin Jefferson has been hurt the last two weeks with a side strain. Um, Seahawks defense has also been bleeding recently, so I'm not saying there's a regular relationship, but uh, I'm just I'm just saying I'm pointing out that. Seahawks defense has collapsed since Quinn Jefferson's been out. Yeah, and just to wrap it up here with two more Terps on the list, let's uh, kick these last two off. Jermaine Carter saw some time on defense two weeks ago in the blowout of the 49ers. Been a regular on the special teams unit, so more of the same that we saw Jermaine Carter from last year. Playing time way down, though, since he was a starter a few weeks ago. Uh, and then he had that whole Deshaun Watson thing. But... Yeah, decreasing playing time now for Jermaine Carter in Carolina. And finally, Ty Johnson, who has been starting the last three weeks, last week recorded nine carries for 29 yards on the ground, along with three catches for seven yards. Uh, he's been mixing in time, but he's really the only running back left on that roster that was there during training camp and the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, it's been a good opportunity for him. He's doing okay. He's things with it. You'd hope to see a little bit more in the next couple weeks, but doing okay so far. And... Um, Real quick, Vernon Davis, Sean Davis, Byron Cowart, Josh Woods, and Darius Kogel all did not play. Uh, running up for Turb of the Week, I kind of left open this week, Mason. I was torn between DJ Moore, Darnold Savage, and Ty Johnson. 
just for getting in the game more often. Who do you have as a runner-up? I'm going to go with Ty Johnson, just really similar to Trey Edmonds, earning his time uh, in the NFL here. Well, for Ty Johnson, it kind of came because of injury, but even before that, he was receiving more and more playing time with each week. Uh, so I'll give it to really Ty Johnson and Trey Edmonds this week. Uh, they both just cracked the lineup, made things happen, and, you know, hoping to have long and prosperous NFL careers. Yeah, Trey Edmonds, week's trip of the week. With, I'm just throwing for him. He got in the field, he had a really good first showing, and hopefully we'll get some more playing time when James Conner comes back. Yeah, I, de- I definitely really think that they're going to, you know, you get, you get a guy you find in 12 carries for 73 yards, that's not really a guy that you want to switch off of. The Steelers kind of known for a team that will stick with the hot hand, so I definitely think we're going to see more of Trey Edmonds on the field. And with that being said, we'll get back to the current Terps and bring in Wayne Viner. So, Wayne, let's start off with a little bit from the football game on Saturday. What did you see out of the Terps in the 38-7 loss to Michigan? Well, as unbelievable as this may sound, Maryland was in that game. It couldn't do anything with the opportunity. Sure, at the end, they lost by a ton, and it looked like any other game that they lost if you weren't there. But early on, the chances were there. Maryland drives into the red zone. Offensive line has a failure. Josh Jackson might have taken one heartbeat too long to deliver the ball. Ball pops up in the air and gets intercepted. In the, on the right day, that's 14-7. to Maryland drives into the red zone again. Ends up going backwards a little bit and misses a field goal. Said, well, that could have been 21-14 or 21-10. You're still in the game. But after the first couple of opportunities didn't go Maryland's way, the fight sort of went out of them a bit again. They didn't really play the scoreboard. They were a little better at that this week than they were in Minnesota. So if you want to call that progress, that you lose 38-7, to but you're a little bit better, you can be my guest. In the end, you just lost another game. You're probably on the way to 3-9. and nine. And One play of note, or one player of note, right guard, Terrence Davis, where's number 75 for Maryland, really, I think, the key to the run game. He didn't play at all against Michigan. Austin Fontaine got the start and went the whole way. Davis has only played in four games. So now the thought is, since he still has a bad knee, we're going to set him out the last three games, and we're going to get him back again next year. And as a redshirt this year, he gets another year of eligibility. So when you start thinking like that, that means you're thinking 2020, you're sort of done with 2019. So, Yeah, that that is – well, just really quickly on that, that's kind of what I took when I heard that. Um, out of the press conference, uh, what was that, yesterday, it, it seems like a losing attitude, but at the same time, is it? Like, what, what, is your really, what is your real opinion on that? Is it a losing attitude, or is it, okay, we need to get this guy another chance at the NFL because it seemed like he was a really high-caliber player going into the season, but, again, the injuries have nagged him his entire time in Maryland. I think that when you're on the way to 3-9, and nine, and you're still not sure who your quarterback is, and you want to get your young guys' experience, this isn't the worst move in the world. This is saying we're going to be better next year, and I'd rather have Terrence Davis on this team next year than not. Plus, he's got a bad knee. So if you're looking forward, the NFL, he doesn't have a whole lot to put on tape this year. There's not a lot to film. 
So I think probably for him to come back healthy and hopefully lead a better 2020 campaign for the Terps. Now, the most interesting, usually the offensive line isn't that interesting. The quarterback is. And we have to see a little bit of the future. Lance Lejean came in in the first quarter. He ran what looked like the Josh Portis, for those who've been watching Maryland a long time. Uh, we had a running quarterback about 10 years ago. So Maryland comes out and runs student body right, and that leaves Lance Lejean as the runner. He was fairly effective like that, just in the small sample size, which was a couple of plays in the first half, and then mop-up duty in the fourth quarter. Uh, he looked a lot more comfortable running to his right than to his left. But you can take one look at him and go, wow, that guy's got some skills. That guy can play. Now, I don't know how well he throws the ball. I don't know how much offense they're going to run with him. But he's another one that they don't want to burn the red shirt. So he's played in two games. Chances are he is not going to play at Ohio State on Saturday. But the good chance he might start against Nebraska when Maryland comes home on the 23rd. They want to keep his red shirt. There's the other school of thought on, on Lance. If he really is that good, he won't be here for five years. If he's really that good, he'll play for three years and go pro. And if you look at the piece that's up on TripTalk.com, I've got Javon Leak saying how good he is. We've got Cordell Woodland saying how good he thinks that uh, Lance looked. And we have Coach Loxley talking about that, too. And Lance Lejean's a popular guy. So who does that leave out? It leaves out Tyler DeSue. I have no clue, and I asked Mike Loxley myself, where does he fit in? And Lox just didn't answer the question. I do not understand, in a football sense, how you keep Josh Jackson in that game once it became apparent that he just he has no sizzle. He's not going to get it done. If you wanted to win that game, you go with Tyler DeSue. If I was Tyler, I'd be wondering what's going on. So I hope internally they have this straight. Externally, I think we have spoken about this before. If you want transfers to believe that you've got their back, you have to have the back of the transfers you have. Um, I almost called him Ralph Friedgen. Mike Loxley went out and he wanted Josh Jackson. And for the first couple of games, we all know Josh looked pretty good. And then it just it all disappeared. But I think he has a lot of loyalty to his guys. And I believe that Mike thinks that Josh physically did everything he could to try and win. And he's going to give him every chance to play this year. But once again, what message does that send? Is that really winning football? You can't tell. It's awfully early. Anybody wants to make a judgment right now telling you it's awfully early to do that. You might not like what you see, but we don't really know how the coaches feel. And I have a feeling the, the little birdies out there that share information say the coaches are, are not too happy with the overall effort. It, and they, they see how, how bad this is at the moment, and they are really trying to get this fixed. And I'm happy that, that there's some feedback that says they know that it's this bad. So back to you guys. Well, I that's a um, not a pretty picture on football over at Maryland Stadium, but uh, basketball looked I think better. Um, I got some questions about the box score, but first off, what did you see out at Xfinity Center? I saw what seems to be a fast athletic team in Maryland that did not shoot well. Five of 27 beyond the arc. In fact, the jump shooting was bad, but Maryland got to the basket. 
Maryland played with speed. They actually played with great effort. Dante Scott is a game changer. Where's number 24? And if you go up on Turp Talk and listen to the interview with Jalen Smith, he'll talk about how just putting Dante Scott on the floor changes things. You guys, which is both of you, Jordan and Mason, who said you need a Philly tough guy like that, it resonates. Uh, the Mitchell twins can play some ball, and I think you're going to see a lot of Cowan and uh, at the two guard and at the point guard, but I think you're going to see a lot of them at the two guard uh, with Eric Ayala playing the lead guard. So now you, my mini take. Now you just said that uh, Donta Scott's Philly tough, so Maryland's going to take on Temple. Is that your guy to uh, handle our favorite basketball player, I think, at this point, Devondre Perry? Yeah, it's strange to have a favorite player that doesn't play for Maryland. But we were on Devon, Devontae Perry a long time ago. Well, it seems like six years ago. Probably was five years ago. said, so we need to get that guy. And Temple has him, so good for them. You know, it, uh, Dante Scott doesn't look like he's a young man. He, he looks like he's 20-something years old. He's a bigger guy. He looks like a tight end or a rush end on a good football team. And he, he just he could just play. He, I think he could probably play five positions. So he is Sean Mosley who could shoot. You know, Sean Mosley played at Maryland for a long time. He's bigger than Sean, but Sean played everywhere. And but this guy can play everywhere, and at the moment he can shoot. So what I want to hear from you, both of you, is this idea that you could shoot until you come to Maryland which is what I was thinking when I watched Maryland go five for 27 for three. What have you seen? What are your thoughts about the inability to hit the three once you become a Terp? Well, the five for, 20, five for 27 was my actually first question. You kind of answered it already. That was extremely alarming for me. Um, I do not understand what our problem is with three-point shooting. I really just do not. As Mason said last podcast, we have had great shooters here. People that started off as good shooters – like Jared Nick and Dion Wiley, and even with Logan Aaronhart, who's only here for a year, that their shot just seems to fade away. And I don't think you can be a championship contender if you can't consistently shoot the three. And I know it's only been one game, but again, five or twenty-seven from deep is is you can't. Is that a bad night? I certainly know that Cowan and Ayala could shoot it, and they weren't so hot from from deep. Play Holy Cross, they came out, they tried to play as fast as Holy Cross could play. That's probably their game. And Maryland gets a working margin and probably could have won by 40, but they sort of pulled down the speed there at the end. You got Rhode Island on Saturday at 9 p.m. That's probably going to be a slightly different animal, but I don't really see a great challenge until maybe you go to that tournament, the Thanksgiving tournament. Yeah, well, Rhode Island, I mean, they have been a, a what, Jordan, would you say, m- near most powerful mid-major? I know Utah they State's in the top 20 this year, but Rhode Island's had some good teams. They're a very good mid-major. Um, their A-10 teams always play feisty. They're always tough. But I don't, I think maybe this season, and this is a bit of a, maybe a bit of a bold claim here, but Maryland may be at the point this season where in, 75, 80% of their games, they can let their talent take them and they might be able to win, you know, okay. 24, 25 Guys, games. That, that's a great point. Some people at Maryland going all the way to the Final Four. 
I'm going to have to step aside. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. And that was Wayne Viner. He actually has to run from uh, recording the podcast with us to uh, hop on the radio, hop on Turf Talk, as always, on Wednesday nights. Usually at 6 this week. I assume there's a Towson game, and that's why they moved up to 5. Uh, Jordan, getting back into the box score, we talked about the three-point shooting already. Uh, Maryland really got a look, got to play everybody, but your key guys, obviously, Jalen Smith, 7 for 15, 16 points. Anthony Cowan, 4 for 9, 12. Uh, Eric Ayala, 4 for 10 for 12 points. Also, what what do you really look at from this game? I mean, as a guy that looks at, at a lot of basketball, what do you look to see out of Maryland, and what, what do you think you really did see? Well, there are some things you can judge just based on watching the team play anybody. The first thing is always shooting, and as we already touched on, 5 for 27 is extremely alarming from deep, but it's the first game. Maybe it'll knock off some cobwebs and open it up. Um, the other thing that I wanted to really see this game is rotation. Uh, Ricky Luna getting the start at the 4 is interesting, but he only played 15 minutes. I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, he did not start the second half. Daryl Morcell started over him. Um... Yeah, it looks like Ricky Lindo's a rotation guy. It looks like Dante Scott and Daryl Morcell are kind of your heavy bench guys. Another guy that got a lot of minutes in this game is uh, Sorrell Smith, a guy that we talked a lot about in our basketball preview. Make sure to listen to that if you did not. Uh, he shot well. One of the only guys that shot well from the three-point line for Maryland, two for three on the game, gives him eight points, three for six overall shooting. Uh, you, you had to look for, I heard multiple reports out of the guys on Terpstown Hall, the Maryland Facebook group, uh, that they, they did not see what they really wanted to see out of him on the defensive end, but overall it was a strong showing. The five for twenty-seven needs to change. Another thing that I look at on this box score and really alarms me is sixteen for twenty-four from the free throw line. If you're looking to win close games, those two numbers, five for twenty-seven from three, and especially the sixteen for fourteen for twenty-four, my bad, on from the free throw line, those things cannot happen. No, they cannot. The free throw line also caught my eye. Um, not great. Russ Smith, yeah. Um, had a good showing. 16 minutes kind of surprises me. Maybe he has shown some strategy over the summer. Um, Mitchell and Twins both got eight and seven minutes, respectively. Um, they look like they played okay. And something that did catch my eye as well is Hakeem Hart, the guard for Philadelphia, only with three minutes in this game, one more than Reese Mona. Like, I know by the time you get to Hakeem Hart, you're pushing, what, let me count here, six, seven, eight. Yeah, he'd be the 11th guy in the rotation. So he might not crack it this year, as most people don't want to go beyond 10 people in the rotation. Um, but I was surprised to see him being left out, it seems like, for the most part. Maybe that'll change as the season goes on, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, and uh, let's let's take a look ahead here on, on the on the schedule. I mean, the game against... It's like, you're right. Maryland can be carried past this game by their talent. Uh, when I saw... The score being being closer on, I thought back to last year, they played Delaware very close in the first game. This year, though, it seemed like the talent difference, the speed the game was playing, everything looked right for Maryland. They win the game 95-71. to 71. It, it seemed like going into Saturday night, 9 o'clock, you're taking on Rhode Island um, on FS1. What's kind of your view on that game? I mean... You played Holy Cross. Is this like the first game where you can really look at it and judge Maryland, or is it still a team that they should blow out? I don't know about blowouts, especially this early in the season. You don't see a lot of blowouts because everybody, everybody knows basketball's a rhythm game. You need to get into the game, season before you can start making, you know, judgments. But Rhode Island, especially in the last decade, 
has been a feisty mid-majors team. They play hard. They have played well. But they also lost their, I believe, 16-year head coach, Danny Hurley, to UConn recently. So it's going to be interesting to see what they roll out this year. They didn't have maybe as well strong season as they hoped last year. They beat LIU Brooklyn 60, sorry, 76-65 yesterday. This is going to be their second game as well. So they're also going to be seeing what they have. This is a okay opponent, though, especially for Mark Turgeon not seeming to love playing high-class mid-majors and power six schools. This is a big game for Maryland to get an early test on where they are. Um, I look for Rhode Island to play hard and fast out of the start, try to maybe scare Maryland a little bit back into the shell, so to speak. Um, but I think Maryland, once again, their talent, if you judge on talent, this is a top-five team in the country. And I think their talent can carry them for most of the season, as I already said. This game should be no different. If they lose a game like this, this early in the season, where your talent should be more upfront than your coaching, then you should be maybe a little bit concerned. But it's so early in the season. We'll see what happens. Um, get out to support the teams this weekend. we got some great home matchups. got Maryland, Rhode Island for basketball on Saturday. Uh, the volleyball team facing Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Telling you, Mason, that game against South Carolina for the women's basketball team, um, I've, I might make some time out of the Sunday schedule to watch that one. Yes, yeah, so, so will I. I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch this weekend. Uh, just wrapping it up here, the Terps do take on Wisconsin, a top-tier volleyball team at 6 on Saturday. Get out to College Park early. Support the volleyball team. It should be a great game. I mean, it's such a small venue, the Pavilion at Xfinity, that's always electric for volleyball games. But get out there, watch some volleyball, stay inside, get up to the basketball game. And, you know, from, from then on, hopefully it's a double win on Saturday in College Park. Uh, we're looking at another podcast later in this week to talk a little bit about the Terps taking on what I believe is now the number one team in college football in the Ohio State Buckeyes, now number one in the college football playoff rankings. We'll have a... What I assume will be a short preview of that game, Jordan, later this week. To be honest, I think we can get a preview it now. I don't have anything to say about this game. I think we're going to lose 6-3-0. That's but, my preview right there. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later in the I week. I guess we'll talk about it. I still think it's worth talking about. I mean, the Terps are a 44-point right. underdog by Vegas. It, it, there are some interesting storylines there. If you say so. But I love the quote from Josh Jackson, if you did not hear it. No, I did not. There are a lot of guys on this roster that know Chase Young. I don't know if any of them know how to stop Chase Young. Yeah, uh, Chase Young, I'm looking for another 3-4 that game from him as well. I think he can get I feel five. bad for Jalen Duncan already. Yeah, I know. Uh, Jalen Duncan's going to be on skates. I mean, he's on skates a lot of games. But he'll he'll definitely be on skates for this one. And I think that's going to be a wrap for this podcast. Yep. Uh, good, the huge weekend for Maryland at home. Um, to be honest, the Ohio State game is very far from my mind. Is women's, men's basketball kick off their seasons with some good games. It's going to be a good weekend. Go out support the team's. Uh, I have high hopes for this basketball season for both men's and women's this year. Hope maybe we can get a double Final Four, Mason. Has anybody ever done that before? Yes, I, I'm certain that somebody has done that before. Huh? Eh, maybe not. I, I, may, I would that, think that Louisville has. Louisville or UConn? Maybe Louisville or UConn has, is my guess. But here, here's another quick note. If you're going to buy tickets, buy them from UM Turfs. Maryland's selling them for $18 on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock game. Should be a near close to sellout. I'm going to predict attendance for Saturday at around... 16, I'll give it 16-5 for the game on Friday night, but top 10 Terps in town against a about as solid as an opponent, honestly, as you're going to get out of a Mark Turgeon coach team. 
Uh, we'll be back later this week, and then over the weekend, on Sunday night, we're going to be doing a recap podcast from the Maryland-Rhode Island game and the Terps against Ohio State, so that should be another long one. We'll be back later in this week to talk Maryland-Ohio State preview. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them on the web at the number one, Viner.com, and over the phone at 301-251-2900. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the place to go in the DMV. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. We'll be back later this week. Make sure to check back and like and rate this podcast if you like it. That always helps us out. And as always, thanks for listening.